This is Engage on 101.5 UMFM. My name is Josh, and today we sat down for an interview with Nestor Windrush, also known as Elliot Walsh, a local musician in Winnipeg who's done a lot of great things outside of music, and he's just become a staple in the community, in my own personal opinion. So, without any further ado, how are you doing, Ness? Oh, I'm all right. <laughs> I'm all right. Good. You a little tired on this Thursday morning? Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to think of how this day is going to unfold. Got a, a workshop to run this afternoon. Just trying to put myself in the right frame of mind. Yeah. I haven't had coffee. It's like almost 11. I should have had coffee already. I had tea at like 8 in the morning, but it's not the same thing. Yeah, it's not yeah. the same. <laughs> So, uh, but you're you're good though. You're figuring out your whole. Uh... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be while well, I'm answering. Hopefully, I can multitask and uh, just jot down other things. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. So, you're doing a workshop with graffiti later on? Yeah, yeah. We do a program called After School Leaders, which y'all have been a part of in some capacity. So that goes on on the Mondays and Thursdays on Zoom. And it's a program that's catered towards high schoolers and just youth in general. But high schoolers are the first demographic that we try to serve. And it's a mixture. It started off as a, as podcasting. Actually, before that, it started off as more towards film and music. And then it got switched to podcasting and then more of a, of a sample sort of program of what we do with Gap. So podcasting, photography visual arts, as well as some poetry, some journalism inside of there, as well as some beat making and, and songwriting. So we try to to marry a lot of our ideas of what we do with Gap together and, and present it in a way that the youth can gain some skills, find ways to speak with the community, build a network, and yeah, just, uh, just find their creative juices. Like I'm giving some long answers, but I think that a lot of the youth that come through the, the program through Studio 393 and Gap, they already have interests. So it's a matter of just feeding them and exposing them to as many things and as many opportunities to up those skills as possible. That's, that's primarily what we try to do with the after-school leaders and then overall with our, our Gap programming which includes dance and beating and a lot of other things as well. That's amazing. One of the reasons that we wanted to have you on was because of this, you know, as Josh was saying, for as long as I can remember, and I've known you, been doing tons of other engagements in the community, such as this, such as, you know, working with Gap, you've been a mentor, been a leader at shows, put together shows and things like that. And so that, that was a huge part of why we wanted to have you on was all of this work that you've been doing for the youth, for the, the community you know, the, the dance community and these programs that are going on at Gap. And I just want to know, I have a quick question. When did you start working for Gap? Or I guess, you know, we can even go a little farther. How did you get involved with graffiti art programming? Ooh. Soon after graffiti art programming uh, opened its building, its gallery off of uh, Higgins and Gomez, I know that they wanted to venture from doing just visual arts and, and, and graffiti and what's they were normally doing and they wanted to incorporate some other type of programming to serve the community. So they did some of the visual arts stuff, some painting and, and things. And then I believe they reached out to DJ Brace, who ended up being like world champion DJ at that time was, I want to say the DMC champion of Winnipeg or was about to become. So that was 
maybe 2000, 2001. And Brace reached out to me and someone else at the gallery reached out to me and I ended up being their their hip hop instructor, not dance, but more like the history of it and talking about writing of rap and getting into samples and, and that nature. And I'm no producer, but I, I know a lot of the history and, and the sources of it. So yeah, that's that's how it started. And I've been off and on with them for almost 20 years. I was doing this type of work in Mississauga and Malton, Ontario, when I was about 13 or 14. And it was my first job. And just seemed like more natural for me to do this kind of work uh, and doing stuff that I love and working with youth as well, because I came up in programs like this as well. So what you just said there, I actually wanted to get into that as well. You said you came up in similar programs. I wanted to ask prior to graffiti art, was there a need for programs? Was there accessibility to similar things like getting youth skills and opening them to the arts? Or was that something that Winnipeg had been light on for a bit? I don't want to, oh, time is a funny thing and so is memory. I want to say that we were the first that were doing hip hop programming of that nature in the city. And I think it actually was pretty unique to a lot of, a lot of the country at that time. I know that there was fresh arts that existed in Toronto earlier. And there might have been some sprinkles of programs in the Toronto region, but Remix didn't exist at that point. Fresh Arts was kind of the catalyst of that whole idea as well. And the Fresh Arts, which is how people like Cardinal, Official, Chocolare, I want to say Socrates, Julie Black, Director X, all of them came through that program. The money that fed that program was how I got my first job in 92 as well. So for your your question, I don't think there was much available, especially in the city at that point. There was no Just TV at that point. There was nothing of that nature that spoke to the youth of that generation, for sure, which was like a rap generation. Or even then, it was very niche, but the youth were into rap. So it was, it was just a way to, to connect things and, and speak to the needs that were out there, especially with arts. So, yeah. Absolutely. That's so cool to hear. That's that's a really neat story. It being one of the first of its sort of kind and then seeing where it's at now, seeing that growth over the years. I wasn't witness to all of it, but I've been witness kind of in the past years and even hearing these stories, it's it's been awesome. I'm wondering how important is it to have a resource or a place like Gap in the City in your own words or in your own opinion? How important do you think it is for youth, for people to have this resource, to have a place to go and engage with their creative side? You know, that that's um, really determined by who we serve and who comes through. So, I mean, before the pandemic, uh, before we had to close our doors in our Studio 393 site, we were averaging at times like 40 youth, 40 people inside of the a 1600 square foot space. In four hours, we were at 40 to sometimes almost 50 people inside of there. So there was definite need and, and it becomes like also a safe place and a, a place to build community as well. So yeah, the arts is a foundation, but it's it's not the be all end all. It becomes like a, a place that or something that could bring people in and they could work on their skills, but also they could be around like minded folks or just be somewhere that's safe for a little bit. Yeah, it's <sighs> the world is full of barriers. Having a place that you could do arts for free and 
things are supplied for you and there's different workshops. I think that is that is priceless. And there's there's places like Minneapolis and in Chicago that have arts programmings that sometimes connect with the school boards and, and that that are outside of school itself. And there's a need. There's always a need. And I'm a prime example of that. There was always a need for youth uh, when I was a youth um, to have those outlets. You need them. The arts and access to to dance programs, to uh, skills with painting, to music, all that stuff should not be just for those that are well off. Just shouldn't. It's, it's especially as a youth, you got to find yourself, and and every youth should have as many tools as possible to be able to find themselves. That's absolutely what I love about Graffiti Art. And as you mentioned, Caden and myself are both attending members throughout um, our time in high school and beyond. And it's definitely been something that I've seen how significant it is, you know, to a lot of the, the kids who came through. And it's a big deal. It was a big deal for me, too. So, yeah, that's really cool. And you mentioned that, unfortunately, with the pandemic, as have most businesses, you know, our Portage Place hub there for Studio 393 is closed down now. And if we could just sort of address a bit what kind of changes have had to take place, you know, what's what you had going on before in terms of how just the way that Gap and 393 would operate then and how it's all functioning now. It's been heavy. I mean, like for anyone that does youth programming, we've all had to pivot and change how we do things. One, closing up that one site because, one, we didn't have a sink. We had no way of keeping things clean. The space is pretty narrow as well. And it was I know that it was a bit scary. I know that before the lockdown itself, the first lockdown, just talking with other staff and some of the youth, and I remember the second last day before closing up and just the level of of the mixture of of pessimism and optimism of how long this will last and but also just uncertainty there was it was just discussions of uncertainty and before the well it took a while for the province to figure it out but we made the call that we're just going to close it down as well as a lot of other businesses that made their own call on doing that before the call came from the province itself and before it came from the city too. I know that the city closed up a few of the facilities for for the community centers and and that changed things quite a bit. That's when he knew it was real, real, as in, sorry, the severity of what was going on because it was now on a government level of closing down sites that youth would use. There's, there's something, I have to make this clear and just because I've lived in places and traveled, the level of wanting to help out youth in the city of Winnipeg is very real. And when places start to close down that have youth in it, that was a real blow. Because you just think about what services are not going to be out there for people to use. And when it goes to youth, then it becomes also family and chosen family that get affected. We serve not just people that are... We serve a lot of people that are in need as well. A lot of youth that are in need as well as there are different issues when it comes to mental health as well. And you start to wonder, it was trying to figure out like what was still open, how to connect people. Oh, that was, that was at the very beginning, that was not a good feeling. And as you started to, as it started to unravel of how many things were closed and how many youth were in need of other supports and not being able to get it, 
that was pretty pretty disheartening also just for programming itself too like we had to figure out how to use zoom we had to figure out like would people actually come and use it what parts of our programming could we still salvage and be serviceable to the community like we all wanted some form or way for the youth to still be involved in and feeding their their creative minds you know so gene julia renee annie beach they all figured out these systems of making art kits for the community. So to get them out to youth and to families to be able to use while everyone was locked down and the schools are closed, figuring out partnerships that were in the community that places that decided to stay open on the front lines, there was a, a small handful that decided to do that. So trying to figure out how to, to partner up there and to hear what they were doing. As things started to open up, I know that Annie was doing and Ray and a few others were doing some work with Floor House and some other organizations, but doing programming outside, which was really important. Tried to, we had to shut down the that ASL that was happening at that point in the year, but we shifted to Zoom and because Zoom is like, as we're using it right now, it's for recording. We just fed into the whole podcast thing and whatever youth that we had ties with, we just reached out and saw if anybody wanted to join in. And it's like they had free reign of talking to people. And it was a way for us also to stay connected. I'm not going to lie. Like that's, that was one big thing for me was for us to make sure we had the podcast thing going. And, and Julia's like our program director. She, she's able to push and, and see the value in certain things. And yeah, just, just making sure that the podcast happens. So while training people or while we're doing interviews, we're still talking and we're laughing and we're still seeing the people that we've grown to genuinely love and like. So yeah, and the community was really supportive too. Maybe it was because a lot of people just didn't have anything to do, sadly. But a lot of artists were willing to give their time and some academics as well. And just like sit down with the youth and just answer some questions and stay connected as well to what's going on. So it was it was a good situation of give and take in a in a bad situation. But whew, but because of and we talk about barriers like yes, Studio 393 exists in a mall to reduce barriers. But once COVID hit and everyone's at home, now barriers are up again. And that main barrier is access to technology. Yeah. So lost a lot of youth because of that in terms of having access to our programming. And some people don't even feel comfortable just being on Zoom and talking. It's not the same for them. And if they get a chance to socialize, they'll decide to do that outside, you know, just to get out of their place just go outside and and hang out either at the park or in the front of your place or on the stoop or like the front of your, your apartment building or whatever it may be socially distance and just like talk to people that way you know so it was a hard sell but i'm happy that the people that joined us joined us and we were able to work on certain goals too like Jared at UMFM and I have been working on this thing that, that's become engaged for a long time. And one of those main parts is just getting our podcasting running during the pandemic it was a big deal because it got to at least like connect with y'all, which are regulars, and to see how you you all were developing as well. So it served its purpose. Jeez, that was a good answer, Ness. That was so rich. So rich. <laughs> That well, was... I mean, you all you all were were there for it. Like yeah. you all experienced it on the other side, right? So it's absolutely like you noticed the the interruption in our programming and like what was missing. So it, it's and still things are missing. It doesn't feel right. Like we've adjusted, but 
the numbers aren't the same. And when I say numbers, I'm not talking about like state numbers. That that sounds cold. Sorry. Our attendance is not the same. It's not the same. And that means at some point there is a barrier that's created. And that's not good. But I, I have to say, like, we've pivoted. And I know that Caden and Josh, you are all a part of that pivot of making like packages, care packages for people. Janelle's now working on the art kits. We have Stella working on different programming for on our Instagram pages, just so parents and kids could make simple crafts at home. And there's instructions and little videos and, and, and things of that nature. So we're serving the community in a different way. It's just that our programming itself has fallen off just a little bit yeah absolutely you, you know like I definitely hear you yeah so it's just it's just different that's that's what i could say it's just different for those of you just tuning in we are engaged on 101.5 umfm we are currently talking to elliot walsh who is Nestor Winrush. We are talking about graffiti art programming in the community of Winnipeg, Manitoba, Treaty 1 Territory. And yeah, let's get back into it. Yeah, so I just wanted to touch base on what you were talking on. And that was, you know, the adaptations you guys had made. And I just want to say that to us or to me, at least for sure, and I know Josh can resonate, that you guys are like superheroes with, you know, adapting and finding ways and, you know, looking at it from this place where you're seeing that youth are generally affected by this. You're seeing people are affected by this and taking on that sense of urgency. And I want to take it on a little bit more of an optimistic approach because I know, you know, Gap constantly provides for the community and is constantly giving back and finding ways to be in that sense of urgency. But what kind of support could Gap use in today's day? What kind of support could Gap use the most that could help it continue its programming and serving the community in higher capacities, the same capacities that it needs to? What can people do to help support? I mean, the answer is always money, right? Um, it's going to be one of them. Um, <laughs> but just bodies and, and people with good minds and, and people able to donate like supplies. We're doing this. There's a scavenger hunt that's going on in Point Douglas. Uh, and I know that that some of the, the employees, some of the staff were going around and handing out some newsletters and things of that nature. It's always good to have some volunteers and some more supplies and some more tech and people that are able to donate spaces as well for potentially new programming when we're able to have bodies inside of a space. And I say bodies and, and it's it's not just that. It's like, what comes with that? And I, 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 it's too much slang I'm using, but like ideas, ideas and muscle, like muscle in a good way, like to keep things moving and people to be able to drive some supplies around. That's another thing. Like for some of our programming, especially for like our, our beating workshops and for our after school leaders and for the art kits when they're assembled and some staff are having to go like from end to end of the city driving around. And it's just like if there was like another person driving, that'd be great. But yeah, it's always just good minded folk that believe in the community and some more resources. That's what always could help. That's what always could help. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. So looking forward, moving on from, you know, all, all the hardships of the past year, but it seems like Gap's gotten some footing now with all these different Zoom workshops you're talking about and everything. Is there anything, you know, in particular in the near future for Gap and for the workshops coming up that we could, you know, maybe try to get some folk to come take part in anyone listening to this at all? I mean, we still have our after school leaders program going on, which is it goes on the, as I said earlier, Monday and Thursdays. 
we start about like 4.45, go until about seven o'clock. And that's happening on Zoom. Um, so check our Instagram, check graffitigallery.ca. The links would be there, our studio underscore 393 as well. Right now, our programming with that is focusing on, of course, the podcasting, which you could listen to on SoundCloud and on UMFM's site and other streaming services. Uh, but we're going to be producing a zine and another art show of some sort. Our art show currently, which is ArtX393 or Art Exhibit, is at the Forks on the underpass, the rail underpass at the Forks, just off of Main Street, closest to the CN station or the, the VS station. So yeah, and then we're going to be doing programming actually in person at the at the gallery for our dance workshops. And the first one we're going to be doing is with Jonelle and the 393 Dance Troupe. So that's on Monday nights at 6.30 to about 8. So people could go and check that out at 109 Higgins. We also have our dance workshops online with Majo, uh, as well as Beating with Ray and a songwriting workshops with Marisol on Thursdays and Ray on the Fridays as well in random points of Osani making beats and having beat workshops. So look for those as well. And Sapphire doing poetry workshops on the last Mondays of each month. So yeah, you know, there's things going on. And I believe that some of the community center sites are going to be opening up fairly soon. Hopefully by the time this airs, some of them will be a little bit open for inside programming. And yeah, just keep us Keep us on lock. And, and I have to say that, as we all know, it's not just the pandemic that helped to change things, that that really changed things. I mean, the how the world's lens was on social justice and the things that we actually had to mend as human beings has really pushed a lot of organizations to change up and to adjust for the better uh, because there was gaps and oversights that were happening for years. And sometimes it was because people were ignorant of it. And other times it was because they just didn't have time to catch up with infrastructure and so on and so forth. So yeah, a lot of changes internally have been going on at Gap. And I know at other organizations right now, we're building a bathroom on the, on the main floor of the graffiti art programming, uh, which is good. That building is, is old and didn't have one on the main floor. So people that had mobility issues, one would have to climb up some stairs if that wasn't an option, if you were in a wheelchair, you could not use the bathroom in there. Like that's unacceptable, you know, but the landlord, the executive director, everybody saw the need and agreed. And so we're changing that. Got some board changes that are happening as well. Yeah. Just like programming and, and being more mindful of, and I have to say like gap's always been driven by youth. That's one great thing. But I mean, for other organizations, being more mindful of the demographic that you serve in terms of also the staff that you hire and it being reflective of the community is very important and yeah it's just been a reckoning like with with blm and indigenous lives matter as well um that movement which is also adjacent to the idle no more that was before that as well the city's been under a real lens and i'm saying this on a microscopic level like the city's been on a real under a real lens and people have come out to support things that that matter to them People have died and been shot over the last year. And to see the community come together to voice concerns about these things and to have, because the world slowed down so much, to have actual people listen that wouldn't be listening, that's that's something else. And, and I got to say also, like, these seeds in Winnipeg have always been here. Winnipeg's a very community-based sort of city. It's a little big city or a kind of big little city. So it's... 
I love this place. I love this place. And there's so many, so many needs to the city. And hopefully the politicians and, and those on the front lines will affect and make change happen because of, because of places like, oh, there's so many places in the city that these conversations are happening and they're happening organically because people care. And, and the arts is just a way for us to be doing something while talking about these things, you know? Sorry, y'all. I'm just yammering. <laughs> Not at all. No, I was, what I love to hear is you're speaking from a place of passion. It's, it's good stuff, Ness. Word. Yeah. It's hard for people to see anyone's needs when they're living their own life. And capitalism is one thing that will distract us and our need to survive. Like, but there's more to survival than just eating food or it's like shelter. It's having connection, like being good to one another. This is, and, and as a person, you cannot do everything. So you got to depend on the community, like saying things and then just listening and maybe finding somebody else that could find those solutions as well. But being a driving force of, of helping out, like I know there's organizations out there that started to think about how to have a mental health practitioner involved and, and what kind of programming that they want to supply to their staff to be supportive that way. I know YAA has always been supportive, which is Youth Agencies Alive, I believe. Please look that up. I don't, I always mess up that acronym, but that's basically our parent organization, our partnering parent organization that, that helps out with training for many of the community centers and different organizations that serve youth. It is Youth Agencies Alliance, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, like they're, they're great. And when I started getting into more of the admin side of things with um with with gap like seeing what yaa does is is super awesome they've they've changed we're doing this we try to to hold ourselves accountable on our programming which is cool like ourselves but youth agencies of the ya has developed in the last like five years are partnered in figuring out ways that we could evaluate our programming and one way wasn't working so they went to another one and it's like that doesn't fall on us they're doing that work for us and then they bring these programs to us and train us on them like it's freaking amazing and it just helps out with all of our varied styles and what we we cater to in in the various communities we're in and um, letting us ask questions, proper questions. How are we serving our community? Is there things that we need to change? Are there things that are going well? Are we supportive of enough of our staff? What are the mental needs out there? Like, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to to see and 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 to get that feedback as well. Absolutely. One of the things that amazed me right away coming into Gap was the whole mission statement and the whole way that everything operated. Everybody being so supportive of uh, each other and just learning more about that, being a part of the community, learning more part of YAA, learning more. Gap has just always been on that wavelength, and it's it's amazing to see. And I think that that needs to be involved in the city with more businesses, with more people doing community work, is incorporating these things. So we are going to wrap it up soon here right away, Ness. And I want to say we're just so grateful that you took the time out to come and share your stories and share your experiences working with youth, your experiences working with the community and all the things that came with it, all the learning experiences. And it's been such a rich conversation. One thing we like to do to end off our interviews is play some music. And we're just wondering if there's any particular song that you may be feeling on this particular day, or if there's any particular song that you would like to play Nah, just just surprise me. I mean, I always want to hear like some sort of dub track or or uh, something off of Bob Marley's Soul Rebel or oh or like okay 
even just playing something something local and that's that's rap do that for me <laughs> that's sweet it. that's it um i want to say this though any organization that is out there and anyone that's listening please 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 and i know that west broadway was doing some audits but please while we're closed down look at all of your your brick and mortar your your places that you do programming and ask yourself if it's accessible and what accessible means talk to people in your community there needs to be changes and we should come out of this with more places that are accessible not just online but um not just with red tape but like physically accessible for those of us that have mobility issues, those of us that use wheelchairs, just look and ask yourself what that means and how you could even make just little changes to make it more accessible in your spaces. We need one of those buttons where I can like press the cheer, the the crowd um, applauseing. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a truth. And I mean, like I could talk on so many issues, but that one is really dear to me. Um, yeah. And I know that other people have noticed that because everything slowed down. It really has slowed down. And then you're like, holy smokes, I never realized this button didn't work. Or like, how is there, how do we lose all these facilities? And now we have a facility that we're left with that doesn't have a bathroom. Like, wow, well, it doesn't have an accessible bathroom. Like, how does that happen? This is like, you could do programming and in different sites, which, which is good. Like you should have those alternatives, but there's so many organizations that I've talked to that realize, oh yeah, our freight elevator doesn't work or uh, we don't really have natural access point because we have three steps in front and this door is too heavy and doesn't have something that you could press for it. Like people weren't thinking about these things or if they were, they weren't taking the time to do something about it. And so, yeah, just let's work on it. Just little changes, inclusive changes. If you're a funder, somebody of the communities that are racialized or marginalized comes to you and, and they got ideas, please listen or, or teach, have opportunities to mentor. If you if you are in a funding agency like and you notice that there's not a lot of people of color or black or indigenous folks applying for certain grants, find ways to make it happen. If you got to run workshops, more workshops, make it happen. Reach out to myself, reach out to Nadinawe, reach out to like Mawa, like just reach out and, and find out like what's in there in the community. I know that some people talk, but reach out and find out what is needed. How can we run some workshops of grant writing and so on and so forth with your organization? This has got to change and it's one step at a time. It doesn't have to be overwhelming. It really doesn't. Everyone does their part and things will change. Absolutely. That's community boiled down, I think, what you just said. I just wanted to say thank you for taking all this time out of your day and giving us such fantastic responses. This has been a great talk and thank you for coming and, and sharing all this knowledge with us and yeah no thank you for taking the time to speak with me and it's nice that i'm able to thank you all for all the work that you do it's really important there's i see i see y'all out there and uh just it's hard during the winter of just not being able to get out there the way that I wanted to, just waiting on parts for a chair and just not feeling comfortable uh, going out and, and having to deal with snowbanks and all that sort of stuff. But seeing you all out there and and standing up and being really great allies and, and leaders in your communities with like the houseless situation and the and and people needing food and just being the the hands and the legs and the bodies to even implement other people's ideas aside of your own as well. Like you're the prime examples of of what community is and playing our parts all of us playing our parts the ones that we can because it's exhausting work let's let's not lie it's exhausting work 
But if more people are doing it, it makes it a lot easier. 100%. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, you and, and Gap and Winnipeg, we're doing a great job at, at pioneering that. And, you know, more people are getting involved and more people are seeing that work. And it's, it's an exciting future coming forward for me and for what I see and just seeing, seeing the growth for everybody. Really exciting going forward. We're up. All right. Thanks for your time, y'all. Thank you so much, Ness. This has been Engage 101.5 on UMFM. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thanks, Ness. Oh, let's plug Broken Headphones Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on 101.5 UMFM. Yep. Go yeah. listen to Broken Headphones. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. All right. <laughs>